Welcome to the BABCLA's first live Zoom webinar, converted to a podcast. Each episode, you'll hear enlightening interviews on timely subjects with British and American experts across industry. Today, Jonathan Cowley, the VP of Sales and Client Services at Corniche Travel, speaks to the future of travel and what we might expect as things reopen and the industry adapts to new safety guidelines. Good morning, Jonathan. How are you? I'm good, James. Not bad, not bad. Uh, How are you doing? You know, I think I'm okay. I think everyone's (laughs) thinking they're okay right now. It's uh, it's a little bit different. It's a lot different, in fact. Um, But I get to sit here in my garden today. The sun was out. There's a bit of cloud, but that's okay as well. It's getting windy. Um, You've got a plane flying over your head, James. That's quite an unusual sight. I know. They still exist. (laughs) We could talk a little bit more about that. We can, for sure. Um, So let's just get some introductions out of the way. A lot of people know who you are, Jonathan, but why don't you just tell everyone who's tuning in to listen right now a little bit more about you? Sure. Well, um, well, firstly, I've, I've been uh, working with the BABC since I first came to the U.S. in 2003, so about 17 years. Um, I did go to Canada for a couple of years to help start up a new airline. Uh, some of you may have heard of Caribbean Airlines. Um, I helped start up their uh, Canadian end of their operation. Um, but my background is really airlines. Um, I started with British Airways back in the UK, uh, and I joined the graduate program as BA. And basically, they shipped me around the world. So I worked in South Africa, Indonesia, China, uh, the US, Canada, and also uh, the UK, obviously. Uh, and that was primarily operational and commercial. Uh, then I moved to the US to work in the commercial team. And then I moved to Air New Zealand for three years. And I know that uh, Air New Zealand, a uh, very popular airline with a lot of the uh, people on the webinar today. And very sadly, uh, they, they suspended their operations to London mm. uh, for the foreseeable future. So um, you've certainly traveled a lot, Jonathan. Um, yes. Everyone has a design that LA is the place to be. Did you ever think you'd end up here? Are you ending up here? Or would you like to be somewhere or somewhere else right now? I think U.S., definitely. I think the U.S., I always used to joke with my friends about it being the land of opportunity, but it truly has been for me, and I'm sure many other Brits who've come over here. You know, if you, if you work hard enough, you can achieve those dreams, and I think the U.S. has helped me achieve a lot of what I wanted to do. Um, L.A., I have two kids, uh, Logan 10, Charlotte 5. They were both born here, and so it's very much home. My wife, Michelle, who happens to work for British Airways, She's been here for 25 years, and uh, yeah, we, I think LA, LA is home. Definitely, we like it here. Oh, wonderful. Just to take a step back here for a second, for everyone who's listening in today, thank you so much for joining us. This is a first for the BABC. I don't know if it's a first for the BABC in the USA, but it's certainly a BABC LA first to have a live Zoom event. I hope you're all enjoying it. And just to go through some housekeeping tasks here, if you have a question, Please, there should be a little opportunity to write in the Q&A. If you send it in, I see all the questions that come in, and I can pitch them to Jonathan, and there'll be an opportunity for us to respond in writing or actually a live answer. Um, Work with us on that. We're learning ourselves. 
and let's have some fun. I have a couple of questions for Jonathan, but then we're going to open it up to everybody. So this event is really about everyone's participation. So if you have a question, do not hesitate to ask it, and we will, we will get to everybody, I hope. Um, but we will be finished by 12 o'clock. Um, and so I hope you're going to get a, as much out of it as I hope I will, and I know I will. So why don't we kick this off? Jonathan, I have an qu opening question for you. Are sure. you ready? All right. My question to you is, when the dust settles, and we don't know when, will the new vacation be the staycation? Meaning, will we be staycationing where we are in the US? Is that what we can expect, at least for the rest of this year? Well, I mean, it's a great question, James. And I think, yeah, we, it, it's, um, can I call a friend or phone a friend? Because I, I honestly, I don't have the exact answer there. But what I can say is that if we look at other countries that are coming out of the coronavirus um, lockdown, if you want to call it, before us, China is a good example. Uh, their domestic uh, hotel market has seen a, a significant increase in the last month. Uh, and there are some hotels touting numbers of up to 40% occupancy. So there is a strong belief that the uh, domestic market will return first. It's highly likely that people will feel more comfortable driving to destinations than they will uh, jumping on aeroplanes. Although, obviously, it's a, it's a moving feast. It's changing almost daily. But we are beginning to see now some consistency, which is the important part, is that airlines are now coming back with a consistent approach as to, well, when we do start, well, already there are flights operating across the country. Uh, they are now implementing, some of them have already implemented mandatory masks, social distancing, blocking of middle seats, uh, boarding by row and having people board from the back of the plane forwards. So it's really, a lot of it's down to how confident people feel, because there will be flights. There are going to be flights. There are flights going across the country. You can fly to New York today. But ultimately, it's down to the individual. Are they comfortable with flying at this time? Hotels are in, in the US. It was interesting. I attended a webinar with Marriott a couple of days ago, and it was the CEO of Marriott. And he was, I was blown away by the very high percentage of um, hotel occupancy uh, in the US a large proportion of it is domestic. A lot of the business, or the majority of the business, comes from Americans staying domestically. So Marriott sees, you know, um, domestically their hotel occupancy rates bouncing back before it does globally. So, yes, yeah, staycation yeah. is, is going to be, I think, the initial way forward. And, and Jonathan, just for our listeners, if that's something that people are now planning, um, you work for Corny's Travel, yeah. That's something that you would be able to help everybody with, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, you know, we, we're, a, we're a little quiet right now, so we have uh, plenty of people um, available. Um, we're, we're, taking, we're actually taking the time now to get our team trained or cross-trained. So we divide up our, our team into leisure and corporate. So all the guys who are in corporate are learning leisure and leisure are learning corporate because we don't honestly know which segment's going to bounce back first. We have our feeling it's going to probably be the leisure side first. Um, although we are obviously, we, we are seeing people flying right now, but a lot of it is, you know, medical staff, uh, doctors, etc. But certainly, yeah, we're, we're very happy to help. And you have to remember that when you, you call us, you get an immediate answer. You don't have to wait on 
hold for five hours. So um, yeah, we're definitely available. Wonderful. Okay, so let's just jump in. We had in a couple of, had a couple of questions in immediately from the audience. Sure. Thanks everyone for participating. Um, so I'm going to hit the answer live button, which I don't know if that allows a person to speak or not. So bear with me, but I will sure. ask the question, um, Jonathan. The question from Anila Kureshi. I'm sorry about if I got the pronunciation wrong. I apologise. The question is, what is the status of flying back to the UK right now? Is quarantine enforced the other end and upon returning to the USA? So, as we've all probably heard, the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, did announce um, that overseas arrivals are, are going to have to, well, they're going to be asked to self-isolate. So it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting because obviously they are requiring you to go home and uh, isolate yourself. There's not going to be a requirement to stay in an airport hotel. Now, what's quite interesting about that is I have a friend, actually my next door neighbor, um, his wife just went back to South Korea. Um, she's Korean. And they um, basically on arrival give everybody tests. And South Korea has a very different approach to it right now. But in South Korea, they're testing people. And if you come back as positive, you are then required to isolate in an airport hotel, which they have procured. Uh, and it's at your own expense, but you will be required to lock down for 14 days. The UK plan is from June 1st. So right now, if you travel back to the UK, you will arrive and you will not uh, be required to isolate. But from June 1st, the plan is that anybody arriving from uh, across the globe, apart from Northern Ireland, obviously the Republic of Ireland, and I believe the French, um, the French are not going to be required to isolate. But you will then be required when you arrive, the border control staff will request an address from you. And they are, by law, allowed to come and visit to make sure that you are isolating. Um, but yes, right now you can travel to the UK. Uh, British Airways are operating a daily 787 flight from LA to London. Uh, I think it's the BA282. The timing um, has been changing every now and then, uh, but it doesn't change drastically. Um, but as I said, the, the, the isolation or the require to go into quarantine doesn't take effect until June 1st. So Jonathan, tell us more about that flight. So you're, you're telling me people are sitting next to each other with full face masks on for a, an international flight and, and that's yeah. meeting the standards right now? That's how it's working? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough one. I'm sure everybody's been watching the news where, you know, the, the U.S., flight attendant unions um, are very concerned about the requirements for them to, to basically uh, police people wearing face masks. And they've been very clear, and the airline management who advised flight attendants, that basically you, you have to strongly recommend that people wear masks. I think, it, you know, the way I relate it to is what we see right now with Wi-Fi and internet on the plane. You know, in the past, the crew would almost smack you on the hand if you were using your phone as your taxi. Now they know that you are allowed to use your small devices, um, but obviously you're not allowed to use a cellular while you're traveling. But it is similar to that. They're going to tell you you can't do it, but they're not going to take it away from you. So the same with masks. They're going to say to you, there is a requirement for you to wear a mask. If you don't wear the mask, they're not going to haul you off the plane like we've seen before. Uh, there are a few um, exceptions if people have disabilities that preclude them from being able to wear a mask. Um, and I think also small children will be precluded as well. But yes, right now, if you fly to London, 
the expectation is you wear a mask. And it is, uh, it is mandated that if you go through LAX, you have to wear a mask. And obviously in LA County, LA City. So it, a mask is the way forward for sure. No, wonderful. Thank you. And we have our, our very own Catherine Tober has asked a question that relates to this, to what we're just talking about. Good day, Catherine. Great to see you on here, by the way. Catherine plans to go to the UK in late June for a few weeks. What are the chances? It sounds like it's possible. It is. I mean, I, personally, I would like to go back to the UK. You know, we, we, all, we all have family, we have friends. I have work I need to do back in the UK. And so, yeah, I, I have every plan to go back. But, but you've got to remember, you've got that 14 days of isolation. So from a what the, the carriers or the airlines are most concerned about is, you know, most people, especially from the US, for us, vacation time is premium. 14 days, that might be our holiday time over. So at the moment, unless you have the luxury of, of unlimited amount of time off, um, for some, that's just not going to make sense, of course, unless they're visiting friends. But for, for Catherine, Catherine, you're only going to get to the UK if you book with me. Okay. If you don't book with me, you're not going to be allowed to go. Just, just telling you that. But definitely, um, you can book now. British Airways are operating. So you just got to remember, June 1st, you will be required to self-isolate for 14 days on arrival. That's great information, Jonathan. Thank you. We had an anonymous caller that said they want to head out to India as soon as possible. Are there international flights to India right now from here? That may sound like a silly question. Well, what, what's interesting, I mean, we, you know, I, I have a team who can, can look into that. That's not a problem. We definitely, um, if anybody has any specific questions, I might not be able to give you exact answers right now. But, you know, um, James, I'll share my email address at the end of this. That's a great, yeah, that would be wonderful. Sorry to jump yeah. in there, but if you could, if yeah. we can't answer, I mean, obviously to all our listeners, wonderful to have you on. If there's anything we can't answer immediately today, we absolutely will get back to you. Yeah. And Jonathan will graciously provide his email, as he just said. Yeah, absolutely. So India, um, you know, India again is another country that's, that's had a, a very challenging time with the coronavirus and at the moment, India, um, I, as I say, I'll, I'll need to confirm if there is any airlines flying into India right now. But what I can tell you is, is that Emirates have just announced that they are going to start ramping up uh, from next week. In fact, they are going to start flying back to the UK from Dubai. And it's a very limited schedule. You know, they're not going to be flying daily. Um, but they are definitely beginning to start flying to uh, countries where they see demand. Uh, you know, just as a side note, we are already getting some of our corporate customers are asking us, when are you going to fly back to China? Now, if you, if you think about it, a lot of companies here, they do production in China. They have operations in China. A couple of our larger corporate customers have operations in Shanghai. Uh, and so they're really quite desperate to get back into China. Um, at this time, we don't have any actual schedules um, other than I can tell you that United are fully uh, intending on traveling into China as soon as, uh, as they're allowed to. Um, but from the Emirates perspective, I saw that they are uh, they're going to offer, operate to Heathrow, Frankfurt, Paris, Milan, Madrid. Uh, in the US, they're only going to fly to Chicago. Uh, they're going to fly to Toronto, uh, Sydney, and Melbourne as well. 
And, uh, and that all starts from next week. That's actually May 21st. And as some of you may have already read, Emirates did trial a COVID-19 testing of passengers prior to boarding on a couple of flights. Um, so what they were doing was they were testing passengers before they even got to the gate. Uh, and it was one of these quick checks. I don't know how long it took for the test to be verified, but um, individuals will then be required to submit for this test. And if they came back as positive, they wouldn't be allowed on the flight. Um, but that was really just a, a trial. Um, whether or not that is practical um, across the board, that's a whole other question. But uh, with India, if you can just, I, I will get back to you. I'll definitely yeah. let you know uh, as soon as I can uh, check the schedules. No problem. That's great. Thank you. And anyone tuning in right now, we're getting a lot of questions, which is great. We're going to get through as many as we can. But if you're not, if you have a question on the tab at the base of your, if you're calling in from your laptop, the Q&A section, any questions, don't worry what they are, send them over to us and we'll work great. through them. Great. Okay. Jonathan, um, we had a quick question from um, a colleague of ours, Birgit. This is a hypothetical question. So, sure. And you may not have the answers, but if you tested, so there's, we're doing lots of testing at the moment, testing for, if you've got the, antibo uh, the positive antibodies yep. in you, will that be an advantage if someone can say, hey, look, I've been tested, I've got the uh, certification to show that I've got the positive antibodies, which means I do not have COVID-19. Is that gonna, is that, is that gonna help or hinder someone wanting to travel? Do you see that coming into play? Um, yes, I do. I, I think it's going to actually... Uh, and they're non-infectious. Ultimately, yeah, they're non-infectious. I think ultimately it's going to be the way forward. Um, I think that... Um, well, I know as a fact that next week, um, I think it's next week or it might be the next couple of weeks, there's a company that's bringing out a new app that is very similar to, I'm sure most people on this call have global entry or TSA pre-check. So they're going to come out now with a new app, which is COVID-19 pre-check. And what the idea of that is exactly what Birgit um, has highlighted. Um, if you, I, I guess, I mean, of course, the question is who has tested you and how has it been verified? Because there needs to be standardization here. You can't just say, oh, yes, I had absolutely. a test and I'm good. So I think that one of their challenges is how or who regulates this. Um, but, you know, the way forward, as far as I see it, is right now you have your pre-check line. And what you'll have moving forward is once it's been deemed that you do have the antibodies and you are effectively not going to be able to, or at the moment, not get COVID-19 again, there would be a separate line, which would be a fast track. Uh, and then anybody else would then go through the required testing. So whether that be they're gonna check your temperature before you get in the line, um, or if there's another form of testing, who knows, uh, maybe it's a, um, a body temperature scanner. It will in the, in the future, I think that will become your you know, fast track passport. Um, that you've, you, you basically are, are clear to go. So yes, I think that's the way it will go. No, that's great. Thanks, Jonathan. That's a, that, was a, that was a tough question to answer, so thank you very much. Question from Catherine here, and I think I know some of this already, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Air New Zealand is our favourite airline to fly to the UK, and in your opinion, do you see the airline recovering after COVID-19? So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, Air New Zealand, place in my heart, I worked with them for three years, and truly... The missus in, is in the other room, so I can say this. She won't hear me, but they, they are by far the best, I think, to London. 
I, uh, I think British Airways is a great airline, but I think Air New Zealand just has this uniqueness. They have this kiwiness to them, which is just phenomenal. And anybody who's flown them will know that um, you just feel it's very genuine, very warm, very friendly. I'm not saying you don't get that on British Airways, but Air New Zealand just has something that's a bit different. So what they have done is, as I think everybody knows, sadly they announced that from October they won't be operating to London anymore. Uh, and that is primarily because it's very competitive. You've got BA and American with up to five flights a day, Virgin Atlantic with up to three flights a day, United one. So it's a very competitive market. And as business people, people want flexibility. And when you've got one flight a day, there's no flexibility. So they also have the challenge of the flight comes from New Zealand. So when it goes through LA, there's already a significant number of people uh, from Auckland going all the way through to London. So as an airline, they don't have a lot of capacity from LA, or they don't have as much as, say, a BA or American, because it's not a, a point-to-point flight. It's a connecting flight. But Air New Zealand has effectively frozen their London operation at this time. They haven't said they won't come back, but they have said that October is the final date for London. Um, so I don't think beyond October we're going to see a return of Air New Zealand to the UK market. Um, but, you know, obviously New Zealand, highly recommend you go to New Zealand for sure. Um, but you, who knows? I mean, we all hope and pray that they do come back before their, their final termination of that NZ001 and NZ002. But for the foreseeable future, that, that is on hold. Yeah, no, time will tell on that. Jonathan, I have, yeah. we have questions from audience, but I have a question. Yeah. Um, a lot of the airlines, Virgin and British Airways, are rolling out the new A350, which mm. um, is, is, the, is the plane to get on at the moment. Yeah. With COVID-19, do you think we will see some of the larger planes, the A380s, especially with BA, coming back or being more useful because people can potentially, it can hold more people, but it will, in, in essence, it will hold fewer people, but they will be more spread out. Is that something that is being considered? Well, this question has so many different factors. So firstly, the uh, A380 and, and definitely the 747s, British Airways still operate or were operating 747-400. They are a lot more costly to operate. They're not fuel efficient in comparison to the A350s and the 787 Dreamliners. I also read an article the other day from the CEO of Emirates who basically are the, they're, they're the airline that has bought the majority of A380s. And he said that moving forward, their focus is going to be 787, sorry, it's going to be A350s, 777s. They're going to the twin uh, engine jets because A, they're a lot more cost-effective to operate. Um, looking at their capacity, they can carry more freight than an A380, for example. Um, and so basically... British Airways right now is operating a, a 787 for London. I don't see that changing. Um, it's, it's, the reason why it's interesting is because IATA, which is the governing body for airlines, the International Air Transport uh, Organization, um, the authority, sorry, they basically said that they will be, they highly support and recommend the wearing of face masks, but they're not actually pro the social distancing blocking the seats because they're saying that obviously uh, with the HEPA filters that airlines have on board, 
the chances of actually contracting the illness on board the plane is um, highly unlikely. So it's interesting. Ayata is saying, yeah, we don't, yeah, this reminds me of that CNN uh, guy who had his daughter <laughs> come running, it, running in the room. Michelle, would you mind grabbing Charlotte for me? Um, so, um, so, yeah. Yeah, so um, she's not going to run in the room like the woman did on CNN and smash open the door and grab her. Oh, no, brilliant. But yeah, but basically, in short, I don't think the A380s and 747s will initially be coming back, firstly. I think we're going to see twin jets, um, and that is going to be the focus. Now, are they going to block middle seats? Well, if it's mandated by relevant governments, um, yes, they're going to have to, or the FAA. Um, but I don't think, uh, you've got to remember also that the airlines are losing a ton of money right now. Um, yeah. And when they come back, they do need to operate profitably. I mean, they, they have to make money. So if they're blocking potentially 75 to 50% of their seats by blocking all these middle seats, because if it's a large aircraft, you're then blocking two seats in the mm -hmm. middle. They've got to find a way to make money. So if they're, if they're blocking seats, then inevitably, and I saw one of the questions came up about that, inevitably prices will have to go up. Yeah, no, I, I, I understand. We're, we're focusing a lot on airline and air travel right yeah. now. We're, we're a nation of travelers and we love to travel. So I'm okay, with, we're gonna stick with this for a little bit, but we're gonna, we have some other questions as well. But two questions for you, Jonathan. Sure. Um, we have an anonymous uh, question here which is hilarious, but if they bought a plane ticket though, and this is important, they bought a plane ticket for future travel prior to the pandemic without yeah. insurance. Now that's something that I'm sure they're not the only person that when you buy a plane ticket, nobody buys the extra insurance because they don't ever plan on canceling it. But now we're in a situation where it is not potentially safe to travel. I don't know if that's the right word. Um, can they get a refund? So again, that's quite a, uh, there's a complex answer to that question because it all depends on when you purchase the ticket, did the airline cancel your flight or are you just electing not to travel? And so, yeah, it's quite a, a tough question. So the Department of Transport basically came out with a reminder to airlines that they have an obligation to provide a refund when they cancel a flight or significantly change the flight. So for example, you're on a direct flight and they're now sending you via Minneapolis and New York to get to London. So that would be classed as a significant change. They are focusing on enforcing this because a lot of the airlines have kind of disregarded the requirement and all they're offering are, are like vouchers for you to travel. But basically a lot of airlines are taking this policy and saying, well, you know, did we really cancel the flight or, mm. um, or did, you know, was it really a significant change? So a lot of airlines are pushing back. Are we seeing the airlines, are they willing to work with the customer? Is that what you're seeing, Jonathan? Or are they just putting their foot down and saying, no, we're still operating. It is what it is. I would say very frankly, I think the airlines are doing a phenomenal job. Um, it sounds like I it. mean, they, they really are. I mean, just as an example, I'll give you a few examples here. Majority of us, including myself, buy non-refundable tickets because to buy a fully flexible ticket, you know, to London, you can get business class for as low as two and a half, three thousand dollars. You want a fully flexible ticket, it's going to cost you 10 grand, which is fully yep. refundable, which mm -hmm. none of us do. But then obviously it's non-refundable. 
So with the uh, current uh, policy, the airlines are waiving the requirement or waiving the fact that it's non-refundable, meaning you don't have to pay a cancellation penalty because in the past, what would happen is if you had a non-refundable ticket, the airline would allow you to cancel it uh, for a fee and then you could use the residual value. But what they're doing now is they're saying your ticket's $1,000. We're not going to apply a cancellation penalty, but the full value of that ticket you can use. And in a lot of cases, airlines are allowing people to use it up until the end of next year. So I think that the airlines are being extremely, extremely helpful. And another example is if, if any of you out there have airline um, frequent flyer status with you know, American, United, Delta, like airlines like that, they are now extending your um, status or status. Sorry, I'm talking to a British audience. They're extending your status through to the end of next year. So, for example, I'm a platinum with United. It was due to expire in January of 2021. It's now been extended to expire in January 2022. So yeah, that's important. I, I, I think the airlines, and it, that isn't just airlines. I mean, you know, yeah. we, we, we deal with the cruise companies and the hotels. Mm -hmm. Everybody is being incredibly flexible. But we also need to understand that if we did purchase a non-refundable ticket, officially it's non-refundable. Um, right. But you can, you can apply for a refund if you believe that it fits into any of those criteria that, you know, you, your flight was canceled or you, you were required to connect via seven different airports. So no, it's, okay. it's a tough question. If somebody has a specific question, I'll give you my email address. Please email it to me and I'll be happy to look into it. That's wonderful. Thank you, Jonathan. And for those of you, if you're just joining now, just a quick reminder, if you have a question, please don't hesitate to ask it. At the bottom of the screen on the Zoom platform, if you're using your laptop, it should say Q&A. Type it in there. We'll get to you as, just as quickly as we can. Um, all right. So air travel, we, we were understanding it. We, I think we answered about the flight prices going forward. I think there's a general consensus is going to be a, a, probably a dip to get some interest. And then airlines are going to recoup. And so we could see an increase in cost to air travel. Does that sound feasible to you, Jonathan? Yeah, again, it's all, it's all basically dependent on if the, um, the requirement for social distancing continues. It's just logical because they have fixed operating costs for that plane. Admittedly, right now, the price of, of oil has dropped through the floor, um, but a lot of airlines hedged, so they purchased fuel ahead of time. And so they're sitting with a lot of fuel that costs them a lot more money. Right, um, sure. So they don't have ways of reducing costs per se. There are some airlines, including British Airways, are looking at ways to reduce their costs, their fixed costs, and a lot of that's to do with their manpower. Um, yeah. yeah. And obviously, they're looking at returning aircraft. They're looking at operating aircraft are more fuel efficient. But I, I think that right now, people are, are seeing, as I've seen, because I've been checking myself, Prices are very aggressive right now because right now airlines just want people to, to be comfortable with flying. And I think there is going to continue to be incentives to get people up in the air. And we are seeing some crazy flight prices from here to New York and, and other airports where they're operating. Tell us more about that, Jonathan. Give us an example. Well, a, a friend of mine the other day, and I can't remember which airline it was, but he was going from Orange County to uh, Newark, or it must have been uh, United, of course. And uh, he got it for $53. Wow. 
Amazing. Um, and it's amazing. I mean, that's unheard of. I mean, that is absolutely unheard of. Um, but I think, you know, right now, we've got to remember that airlines are receiving, especially here in the US, are receiving some support from the US government. And that is going to continue through September. So they are able to inject cash into the operation. So right now, I think they're just testing the waters. But just logically, I don't think they can do this for good. Uh, they're yeah. going to have to increase prices. So I think flying is going to become more expensive, yes. Thanks, Jonathan. So, I mean, we're talking a lot about flights because people love to get on a plane. There's nothing quite like jumping on yeah. a plane and heading somewhere without question. Sure. But there's also other ways to travel. And one industry that has, was booming and has been absolutely, dare I say, blown out the water is the cruise industry. And the cruise industry, people may be thinking of Florida to head to that destination, but the cruise industry is actually right on our doorstep as well, down right. in San Pedro and Long Beach. Mm -hmm. um, we've got some questions from the audience on it, but to kick it off, Jonathan, what can you tell people listening? What confidence can people have in the cruise industries going forwards that this is not going to be, you know, that it's going to be okay to go on a cruise ship somewhere? So, uh, well, hands up. Um, I'm, I'm a big cruiser and I, uh, every year, uh, we take the kids on one of the mega ships. So we, we go on Royal Caribbean. Uh, their largest ship we went on last year was the Symphony of the Seas, which holds 6,000 people. So you can imagine that, uh, especially when you're doing your muster stations, the safety before you, uh, you leave port, you're, you're crammed in because you all have to like cram into one of the, the bars or into the theater. Uh, but then obviously once the, the safety demonstration's over, you often don't see anybody for the rest of the cruise. That person you saw sitting next to you, you won't see because these ships are huge. So cruise companies are used to dealing with um, situations on board where somebody maybe got a stomach flu, for example, uh, and then they have to deep clean the, the ship, disinfect it, uh, and they already have amazing protocols in place to deal with a situation like that. And it doesn't really delay the ship to a great degree. I, I, my wife and I, Michelle, we were on a cruise a couple of years ago and we got a text message to say, your boarding's been delayed by an hour. And they were very upfront that, you know, somebody had had the stomach flu. So they were basically disinfecting the entire ship. Um, but it just delayed us by an hour. Um, what I can tell you is that when COVID-19 first reared its ugly head, the cruise companies initially were not allowing people to board the ship if they'd been in China or Italy at that time within the last 14 days. And also they were checking temperature as you were boarding the ship. Obviously, that was a, that was a while ago now. And moving forward, um, I've, I have seen a couple of webinars with cruise companies. In fact, I saw one from the CEO of Royal Caribbean, who in fact is a Brit, uh, yesterday. And he said, yes, you know, it's going to look very, very different how we're going to operate. Now, one of the things that we all love and we want to fill our plates is with the buffet. Um, and as they're saying, buffets, for example, on ships, that'll be in the short term, medium term, will be a thing of the past. It'll probably re be renamed. It won't be called buffet. It'll be more restaurant style where people will then serve you as opposed to you sticking your hands in and, and grabbing. But I think that um, the cruise companies know that they have a lot of work cut out here. 
Um, they're also being realistic. So the cruise companies, a number of them, have cancelled their future cruises through to uh, not some of them to the end of this year, in fact, because they know that they are going to have to come out with protocols that are in line with the CDC that will ensure a that there is no chance of individuals boarding the ship that potentially have uh, coronavirus. Um, but I think it's still early days, James, but I have a lot of faith. I really do have a lot of faith in the cruise industry because I think they've dealt with not the same, but similar situations before and, and got through it. Uh, they just need to come out with new protocols. We all have separate cabins. It may be they have to limit, uh, similar to restaurants that are opening up now, that they'll have to limit the number of people eating at the same time. So we all are used to having fixed dinner times in your, in your uh, dining room. Well, you may find that those dinner times extend. They may start at four in the afternoon and go through to midnight to accommodate everybody. You know, in short, there's not really anything in place right now. Um, but I do know that they're working very hard behind the scenes to ensure that when they do come back, and that's the key thing is they're not rushing. They want to make sure they come back when it's time. They keep using that phrase, when it's time for us to start launching cruises again, we will. But they're not going to rush it. They're not going to rush it. And I'll, be the, first, I'll be the first on one so you can yeah. vlog. I'll vlog no, when I go on a cruise. I think we might take you up on that. Um, no, it's lovely being out on the water. There is no question yeah. about it. I think really the biggest concern for people is, it's not so much of them getting sick, but if someone right. else gets sick on the cruise ships and yeah. then that cruise ship is not allowed back into harbor, yeah, because the entire cruise ship is now being quarantined and people are in fear of being stuck on it for weeks on end. Are there any plans in place to get around that? The people who don't get sick, would they take them off of the ship? How, do they, how would they do that? Well, I mean, all I can really talk about is what they did when they did bring cruise ships back. So, I mean, initially it, w it was terrible because, as you said, a number of ports wouldn't accept ships. And then in the U.S., when they allowed ships to dock in Florida, they required everybody sub to submit for testing before they got off the ship. So it was delayed significantly. Fast forward to today, um, I saw today that there was an announcement in the U.K. They've come out with a, a very uh, good uh, antibody testing, uh, which they believe is 100% accurate. So I think the thing is testing is what's critical here. And I think that the key thing is to nip it in the bud that you don't get anybody on the ship that is going to be sick. So going back to your earlier point or Burgett's earlier point, maybe um, once this COVID-19 pre-check app becomes, if it becomes something, it could be that, you know, that's going to be the initial requirement. You have to prove that you've had a coronavirus and now are effectively immune to it. And then you'll be allowed on the ship. Because I think from my perspective, that would give me the ultimate confidence that I'm going to be safe is that everybody on this ship with me has had it. So, you know, I'm safe. So that's just me thinking aloud, you know, that's Ooh. not me saying what they're going to do, but if this app takes off literally, it could be the answer initially, whereby you're on a cruise with fellow COVID-19 recoveries, possibly. Mm. We have the smartest minds in the world all focused on this right now, both, both sure. in, in science and I'm sure in business because it affects everybody. So uh, I guess really watch this space. We have a, um, 
a question. Jim asked this question. We're going to come to you in a minute, Jim, about your question about a few, uh, travel prices coming down. I would say, so, and we have another question about uh, domestic travel. We're going to get to that. We have another question about advice for travel agents. Okay. I have a question which might help answer some of this. If you are a family of four and you're looking forward to your usual summer holiday, which is now going to be disrupted. Yeah. What's your advice to them right now? Should, where should they be looking to travel, Jonathan? Should they just jump in a car and go somewhere local? Are they going to be able to stay at a hotel? Should they be looking at Airbnb? You know, because Airbnb is also putting out restrictions saying unless you're renting it for 60 days plus or you have yeah. a reason to, you know, what, what's your domestic advice to some of our listeners? Well, I think that, you know, again, attending so many webinars, I'm, I'm kind of webinared out, but it's been really good. It's really good because I've, you know, been able to acquire a broad understanding of where our suppliers are going with this. So, you know, I think that I certainly am thinking domestically. I'm thinking that we are thinking about the local area, maybe driving south to the San Diego area, once we start seeing that hotels are opening up again. And I think that domestic travel is certainly going to be the start, as it has been. You look at China. China is, is seeing uh, you know, an increase in domestic travel. And obviously, the, the concern is that once travel starts beginning again, if you've got individuals uh, traveling from certain areas where maybe there isn't such strict uh, regulations that they could effectively bring COVID-19 to your state or to your city, there's still that concern. But I, I personally think that uh, we all need to be realistic. Uh, and I think that, you know, the UK holiday is, is not a practical thing right now. If you need to visit family back in the UK, it is possible you can do it. Um, but again, you've just got to build into that, the fact you are going to have 14 days when you're going to effectively have to be isolated. But I, I honestly, James, from a personal perspective, I'm looking at, you know, traveling within the state. That's my yeah. plan is, is to stay within the state. Um, and then once hotels um, start opening up and we are beginning to see, you know, a number of hotel chains are beginning to open um, odd properties around around the country. Yeah. Uh, and we have access to all of the hotels that are doing that. So we certainly can let people know where there are those opportunities. Well, it's a, I mean, in, in this time as well, it's a great reminder of what a beautiful state we do live in. Thousands of miles of coastline, mountain ranges, you name it, we've got it. Um, yeah. You're going north or south, so it's a reminder. Sure. It, is, it is a beautiful state. So, again, if you're, if you're listening, Jonathan is with Cornish Travel. Uh, we can, uh, he will provide his contact information at the end of this podcast. Sure. BABC LA first live Zoom podcast. We're absolutely delighted for those of you that were able to tune in today. We are recording it as well, and it will be broadcast for everybody to listen to afterwards. Jonathan, we have about 12 minutes left. And sure. so we have a few questions that we're going to do a quick fire round on some, on some questions. Go for it. The first one that I'm looking at uh, is what's your advice to travel agents and tour operators to weather this downturn? Well, being with a travel agency, I mean, I think that this is a time where it's important to stay in contact with our customers. Uh, we've certainly been reaching out to all our customers, A, to make sure they're doing okay. 
um, but also to make sure that they know that when things do bounce back, we're, we're certainly here for them. One thing I alluded to earlier is that we've actually mandated that all of our team are training. So we require everybody to attend webinars. Uh, and uh, we're part of a network called the Signature Travel Network. And they actually provide us with a lot of training modules. Um, so the whole idea is to make sure that everybody, when it does bounce back, everybody in our team can effectively answer any call that comes on the phone. Because we, what we have done is we've, we have, in the past, agencies have segregated and had, you know, uh, we've had events in one office and then you've had uh, leisure in another and corporate in another. So it's about, I think, being a bit more flexible, a bit more uh, cross-training um, and being, being ready. But a big part of it is actually being in contact with the customer. That has taken up a lot of my time is actually speaking to customers to effectively do what we're doing today, answer all their questions and remain engaged because, um, you know, a lot of them um, are, are themselves just waiting. But I think that's the best thing is just staying engaged with your customers. That's the key part. Thanks, Jonathan. We're coming to the end. So if you've got any last minute burning questions, anybody listening, feel free to ask them now. We want to get them all in if we can. Um, Jonathan, uh, train travel in the US. Yeah. People use it for work. Sometimes people use it for pleasure as well. What's going on with that? What is really interesting is, is that I've seen a lot of uh, comments by people saying, you know, that trains actually, uh, especially where they have, you know, large volumes of, of, of trains, that they, uh, they may be a preferred option. So, for example, on the East Coast, they have a, a number of trains that operate between major cities on the Northeast Corridor. And uh, I know that one of the Amtrak affiliates is planning to, to start up again in June, I think it's the beginning of June, and they are going to operate services on that Northeast Corridor. Uh, again, very similar to airlines, they are going to require that people wear face masks. Um, but in fact, um, what they are saying now, uh, and it's effective next Monday, is that customers will be refused service. They won't be allowed to get on the train if they do not have face masks or face coverings, as they call it. But yeah, I think trains, similar to airlines, they are seeing an opportunity to increase the volume of services. Obviously, again, there's a, there's a big question mark about social distancing. Are they going to you know, block seats? Uh, I know the UK certainly are looking at um, re uh, a train service that would be significantly reduced. I heard numbers as low as 10% of the volume. But certainly here in the US, uh, we are going to start seeing train services increasing from uh, the beginning of June. Thanks, Jonathan. Yeah, it's, um, I think people are just testing the water right now, seeing what's going to happen and where sure. we can go. Um, so, um, okay, I suppose a fun question. Where would you first like to travel when, when, when we really can? What's the first thing you want to do? I know, I know we had a podcast a few weeks ago and you sure. said you want to go back to, to Blighty. Um, yeah. But where do you want to go with your family? Where would you like to have a vacation? Well, Blighty, definitely. I need to get, get home. I need to see some of the uh, family and friends. But, and I definitely need a beer in a pub. I mean, I uh, think yes. a lot of people would agree with that. I need a beer in a pub with yeah. my mates. Well, my daughter, just before this call, she's five, Charlotte, she did come up to me and said, I'm not going to do the voice, but she said, Daddy, when the coronavirus is over, can we please go to Paris? Um, Very so nice. I, I Great think, taste. I think probably Paris is where we'll be going. We were originally going there, as I said in the last call, we were going there before this all kicked off. So Paris, 
What about you, James? Where, where are you going to be going, sir? Uh, you know, we're big fans in my house of tropical uh, weather. Uh, we love the Bahamas. Um, mm -hmm. I think we might have missed that window this year because, well, we missed the window now because of hurricane season coming in. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of, if I had to choose right now, I, I really like the idea of being able to stay local and just drive somewhere sure. and, and, and stay somewhere lovely and be on the coast. We love the ocean. So uh, I'm excited to see what happens over the next couple of months. Um, and I think that's probably we'll be taking a road trip somewhere. Sure. You know, love flying as well. Don't get me wrong. And if, and if the opportunity opens up, we'll be back in Europe before you know it two questions in so let's let's go these we've got two questions we're going to try and get through them real quick and then finish up with two minutes so try and spend a minute on each one if sure. you can jonathan got jim it. jim amos jim amos has asked have you noticed that fares to london is still quite high over the next several months but then it dips as you get to november and december do we know why that is is that just because of the fuel the hedge funding the hedge betting on the fuel prices or is it mm -hmm. something else um Bottom line, it's all capacity controlled. I mean, I don't think there's any secret there. I think you've got to remember is that right now there's such limited capacity to London. So right now, British Airways is, is the only one operating the LA London route. I mean, obviously, there are other airlines operating from around the country. Um, but effectively, uh, historically, that it does tend to dip once you get past the summer in the UK because obviously it's less likely people want to go to the UK, but then it goes up again slightly as you get towards Christmas and the new year. So there is generally uh, a dip after summer and then it goes up again uh, as you get much closer to Christmas. So it's a tough one, but right now it's, it's all capacity controlled. It's just that people have booked at that time and that's why the prices go up. Is it, is it standby still available at the moment? Is that still worth checking in on if you're the last minute traveler? Is there any opportunity there to catch a deal at the last second? No. Standby is a thing of the past. Um, the only way you can standby is if you have an existing ticket. Uh, and I mean, that was in the days when you had multiple flights. So if you, for example, were on the early BA flight and you wanted to go later, you could go to the airport and request, um, is it possible for us to standby for the later one? They might charge you a fee, I don't know, but no, standby okay. is a thing of the past. Do you think we'll see them again in the future? Good question. That's something, I mean, there's so many, nothing is off the table. Everybody's right. bouncing around stuff all over. So who knows, but watch this space. We'll let you, I we'll love let it. you know. Well, we, I'm sure there'll be a lot of things coming up. Okay, yeah. uh, Matt, Matt Rauschberg, great question mm. here. Very interesting one. Um, we mentioned hotels are reopening. Yes. And, Jonathan, what are you hearing about enhanced cleaning and disinfecting protocols in hotels going forwards? Well, certainly, again, it's all about us feeling safe and comfortable. So hotels are looking at many ways to um, enhance cleaning. A lot of it is that people want to see it going on. I mean, I personally, I hear all the time, oh, we're doing this, we're doing that. I feel more comfortable actually seeing somebody out there disinfecting. So they're doing a lot more in your face cleaning so you can see that's going on secondly you'll see that a lot more um, items in your room will be sealed so you might see that the amenity kits are all sealed you might see your towels are wrapped you obviously are going to see you know like for example the bars they'll all be sealed they'll have a seal so you know that no hands have been in there um, you'll find you'll be getting wipes in your room you know there will be a lot more wipes so that you can clean as you come into the room the other thing is hotels are seriously looking at trying to reduce the interaction with front desk staff. So 
trying to allow you to check in maybe on your phone. A lot of airlines already, I mean, a lot of hotels already do it. You can get an electronic key card. So you don't even need to go and pick up a key card. But I think that will roll out even more. Um, but the key thing is, is they're looking at ways of not completely cutting off interaction with the human being to human being, but finding ways to reduce the actual touching. So I think you're definitely going to see a lot more of these uh, electronic key cards that you can get through your app. And definitely a lot more in your room will be sealed when you get into the room. And similar to the airlines and the terminals, you are going to see a lot more overt cleaning uh, rather than um, I actually worked for a cleaning company at LAX a number of years ago, and their cleaners come out once all the passengers have gone. You don't see them. So overnight, they're cleaning the terminals, aircraft, et cetera. But I think you're going to see a lot more of it going on while you're actually there. So, Yeah, like uh, I understand. That's interesting as well. Thank you. So we're coming to the end. Jonathan, thank you so much for giving up You're some welcome. of your time today. You're and welcome. thank you as well for everybody who decided to tune in and listen. I hope you got something out of it. We have recorded the, the podcast and we will be putting it on the www.babcla.org website for you to listen into at your, leis your leisure at any time after this call. Jonathan, we, we've hinted throughout the whole thing about being able to contact you. Sure. Um, how can people get in touch with you? I, I think the easiest way, honestly, is email. Um, okay. Drop me an email and then um, I'll be happy to call you back. So my email is very simple. Uh, it's Jonathan, uh, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N. And James, if we can put this on the website as well, that'd be, that'd be great. So Jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N at Corniche, like the Rolls Royce, C-O-R-N-I-C-H-E dot com. So it's Jonathan at Corniche dot com. Um, so please send me any questions you have. I'm going to follow up on the India question. And if you have any subsequent questions, please go ahead and let me know and I'll be happy to, to get back to you. And James, thanks for this opportunity. Oh, that's my absolute pleasure. And everybody who's been listening today and who's going to listen to this in the future, thank you so much for joining us. This has been another, this has been the first BABC Los Angeles live Zoom podcast, webinar, whatever you want to call it. There'll be many more, I'm sure. And uh, thank you again. We'll see you soon. Thank you, Jonathan. You're welcome. Have a good day. Bye. Thank you for listening. Please like and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or your favorite platform. Your likes and reviews really do help us reach new listeners.